<laughs> hey, Coach, how you doing? I'm good, man. Good, good, good. Good, thank you. So during a time like this, um, with adjustments to recruiting, adjustments to how you practice, how you play, uh, academics, what's what's been the most difficult part of 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 of, of running a program during a time like this? Yeah, I think I uh, know that's a great question. I think uh, there's just so many curveballs, really, that get to get thrown at you. And, um, you know, just the ability to, to kind of overcome it. And I think, I think there's a, I've mentioned this before. I think there's a certain percentage of the population that's going to kind of succumb to it. And, Mm -hmm. uh, a certain percentage of the population that's going to kind of stay neutral to it all. And, you know, we've, we've kind of made the choice that we're just going to try to make the most of, of what this day brings, uh, you know, the players that we have on the court that are COVID free and staff members and, and soak up the opportunity to play the game. You know, that's the thing right now is I feel for the kids, uh, a lot of the, uh, the participants that are on short windows for, for these opportunities. And I just hope we can keep doing it, you know, and then once we get on the basketball court, uh, I'm sure a lot of the players and the rest of the coaches are a lot like me where you you're at peace and you forget about what's going on in the crazy world, uh, short of maybe having a mask on your face, which we're even getting more used to. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, then some of those, some of those curveballs and surprises hit you when the, when the practice is over. But for right now, I think we're just focusing on enjoying, enjoying this great game that we know can get taken away from you at any, any point in time. Thank you, coach. You bet, man. Good to talk to you. Nice talking to you, too. Coach, thanks for your time and uh, glad that you're feeling better. Um, first thing I had is, can you give us a percentage? I know it's not appropriate to give out names that, but the percentage of your squad or staff that, that tested positive over the last three weeks? Uh, I don't know about three weeks, but uh, you know, over the course of this cycle, I'd say we're we're probably close to two-thirds of our roster as, wow. as – uh, has joined the 19 club as I'm calling it. <laughs> and it's easy to joke about because we, you know, you come out unscathed yeah. and it's easy to say, man, I, we all should just get it early. And, uh, but you know, we're obviously in a demographic, I think that is, is not suffering casualties. And so right. I don't, I don't mean to make a joke of it, but the reality is a lot of men's basketball players, um, find very, very few that has, uh, you know, implications that are costly, at least that we know of now. So um, the good news is we've had enough of our team get hit. We have less testing. We have less risk of infection. There's some of those things going on. And um, and we're, we're going to be able to field the team, I think, throughout the course of, uh, of the season because we, we're going to have the minimum uh, required uh, scholarship athletes that should be available, barring now, barring injury, you know, that comes into play, too. It's COVID and injury, so. And a quick follow-up. Uh, in your 10 years on the Hill, you're really in uncharted territory now, uh, starting your first game of the season with Washington, a conference foe. And is this just changed everything the way you're going to coach? I mean, you're going to go deeper on the bench because the guy's legs aren't as fresh, or you're going to have to stretch guys more minutes than they usually would get? Well, we've had to be cognizant of, of bringing guys back. You know, that's the one thing. 
you know, maybe you have an ankle injury and through our training staff and coaches and players, usually there's some familiarity with, uh, with dealing with an ankle injury and how you come back. And, and what we found from a cardiovascular point of view, you know, your conditioning is some of the guys that, that got this bug, um, it's got a little, you know, more implications in terms of getting back on the court. So, uh, and it's not the same with each guy, you know, you kind of have to put a little bit of a barometer on each guy and see how they're responding. And some have seemed to get through it. Others, I think it's definitely affected our conditioning. I know for me, it's, it's been a little bit harder maybe than it has for, for others. <clears throat> so, uh, <clears throat> You know, I think we're probably going to be a little bit deeper. I would like to think, you know, and we've got 10 guys that can play that I completely trust. And so uh, game situations and so forth will have something to do with that. And then we, we have to remember that we're playing at elevation here. You know, that's that's uh, somewhat advantageous if you can get yourself in condition at, at 5,200, 5,500 feet, um, you know, where teams are coming in here from sea level. So uh, whether you're home or on the road, I think that, that can be an advantage for us getting, getting in a fine tuned condition at this elevation. But I, you know, I don't know. I think you're going to see our team, uh, be far more vocal and engaged. The sideline looks different. You'll see that on TV. I think you have to, to bring your own energy, you know, with guys. I think you, we witnessed that in the NBA bubble. You could almost tell teams that didn't really want to be there. They, they didn't end up staying there that long. And uh, other teams that kind of soaked it up and made the most of it. And I'm thinking Miami in particular, that that group looked really connected and vocal uh, and energetic. And and it showed with their play and there's the successes that they had. So we aren't going to get the, you know, the typical traditional crowd makes you feel good it's going to be what what are you bringing and and uh, I think you're going to separate the men from the boys a little bit with with who's dependent on a crowd and that type of thing and who who's able to kind of manufacture that internally coach first off I just wanted to ask how you're feeling I know you uh, mentioned on, on the radio show that you uh, had COVID and I know you've probably been dealing with some other stuff just wanted to see how you're feeling first off and then I'll, I'll ask another question when you're done yeah no it's been uh it's been real interesting for me personally. I mean, I, uh, not looking for any sympathy and don't need to share a bunch of, uh, medical things, but I, between the COVID bug and then I had, uh, I tore a tendon <clears throat> in my elbow, which I had surgically repaired a month ago. Um, and, uh, and the, the recovery from that hasn't exactly gone as planned. I, I, uh, suffered a pretty severe uh, infection. I just had surgery again last night uh, in the evening to open that up and get it all cleaned up. So the COVID, you know, short of uh, some pretty good flu and cold symptoms, has been somewhat secondary to the to the pain I'm feeling from my elbow. Um, and so there's definitely, Trevor. I'm definitely looking forward to some better days. Some better days ahead here moving forward yeah definitely um and then uh just off off topic a little bit uh Andrew Bogut announced that that he's calling it a career I know you didn't coach him at Utah but you did coach him when you were with the Bucks 
and then now it's kind of gone full circle now now that you're the coach of Utah. What what has he meant to you and 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 what was it like coaching him when when you were with the Bucks? Yeah, I mean Andrew's uh a very unique uh individual. Uh he's a winner. You know, and I, I watched a bunch of video. I remember seeing him when he was in college. He's a special special player, super skilled. Uh I really enjoyed my opportunity with him uh when I was coaching the Bucks and we actually um we got it on a little bit of a roll. I think when I got the job there, we we uh we won three games in a row if my memory serves me correctly and we weren't that far out of the playoffs and we made kind of a franchise decision that we were going to seek out some pin-pong balls and and uh and Andrew and a few others mysteriously became injured so we didn't get to enjoy a a great run um together so i was only with him for a year and a half but um really enjoyed spending time with him on the court off the court you knew you were going to get uh you know a a real honest day's work he was a cerebral type player and and one of the things that was really cool about him that makes him unique i don't know if people know this but he actually led the NBA one season, uh, and I'm pretty sure this isn't fake news. I think it's for real, but he led the NBA in charges taken and block shots. And I don't think that that's something that's ever going to happen again in the history uh, of the NBA because typically, you know, you're, you're going to do one or the other. You're either a shot blocking big or you're a charge taking big. And I think that speaks volumes to to his uh, innate ability to understand when when the opportunity for each was there. Uh, if you think about that and to have that kind of knack to know when I'm going to go get my feet set and let a guy run me over, or I'm going to go leave my feet and block their change the shot. And so that's when you knew you had a special rim protector um, back there and certainly didn't finish off his career. And I know in speaking with him, uh, you know, with some of the injuries that he's suffered here, the latter stages of his career is not the way you want to go out. But, you know, um, his heart was always in the right spot. His mind was always in the right spot. I think his his body, as is often the case, when you start uh, losing some of that tread on your tires, your body gives in. And, and he's smart enough to know that now's the time to leave. So he left his imprint for sure not only at Utah, but on, on the game of basketball uh, worldwide, NBA-wide, and certainly made a lot of Australians proud. Hey, Larry, I'll start by saying it's glad to see that you're doing well. I know that it's been a, a crazy few weeks for you. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Appreciate um, it. Yeah, of course. Um, just, you know, with the COVID situation, with the roster um, at this point, with a couple more rounds of testing in front of you before you play, do you expect everyone to be available Thursday? I sure do. Yeah. You know, our, uh, our, we got tested this morning. Our guys come in and get the testing done at nine. We get it back in less than an hour and, and we were all clear, you know, but, um, I think we're fooling ourselves if we think you don't ever expect that. You know, I think, uh, when the text comes in from Trevor Jamison, our trainer, um, I think we're wired to probably receive bad news and then when we get good news it's a bonus so um as i said before enough enough people have tested positive staff and players that 
you know, you can do the math on that and we have less opportunity to infect each other and certainly keep, uh, keep some of those numbers down. We have less people that can test positive, but, uh, at this point I feel really, really good about, you know, the Thursday night roster and where, where we are. But, um, as we all know, those things can change pretty quickly. And just to follow that up, um, if you can't answer this, I understand, but I do have to ask, um, Mm. just with the timeline of how things happen, I know that at first you had some positive antigen tests come back and you guys did some PCR testing. Um, a lot of schools across the country, when they've tested positive, they've gone with the full 14-day shutdown. Um, I'm curious how you guys came to determine that you would simply pause and not do a full shutdown once you had a positive. Yeah, I think that I, I think that's a classic example of, uh, you know, your staff and your contact tracers. We had an extensive interview and a survey that we filled out. And our guys were completely honest with it. I think what we found is in two houses um, where we had six guys living in one house and and three guys living in another, that's where our positivity came. So our infections uh, were not coming in the practice setting, as is pretty apparent through the contact tracing. And the decision could be made to allow those that weren't in those homes uh, to continue doing their job. We had, you know, guys living independently and at home and, um, in the dorm and so forth. So I think that's probably what separated us. Uh, our ability to prove of, is pretty obvious in our mind that it, infections either took place in those cars heading back to the houses or while they were at the houses. Um, and, and, and through some of that data, I think that was, that was evident that, uh, that that was the case. I hope that answered your question. Yeah. Yes, sir. It did. Thank you. So now you guys are opening up against the Huskies, uh, a team that, that uh, plays zone. Uh, I know that that's a little bit of a different game plan putting together as you, as you prep for them. Um, With with all that has been going on, how big of a challenge is it going in and facing a team who, who runs a zone? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's certainly a, uh, you know, a characteristic of a team that's in our league. If you mention Washington, I think you, you know, you're facing a, a different animal when it comes to, uh, you know, the defense that they run and the length and the style that they play. The one thing, you know, I was just thinking as I was answering the question, the one thing about it, it's not like we've played five man teams and now they're going to throw a curveball at us, you know? So, uh, some of that could come into play if you're used to one thing and then somebody throws you something uh completely new maybe it's a little harder to handle this will be our first opponent so um you know we won't know much of anything else other than our own style and uh the one thing i think about the about their zone trevor is you need some experience you know we had a bunch of freshmen last year uh, that had never really seen this, and you try to simulate it and practice some of the the nuances of the way they play zone and and the size and length that they have, and it's like a lot of things until you actually experience it. You know, uh, you can talk about how great and challenging it is to raise kids and how fast time goes when you're raising kids, but until you actually go through it, you don't know what anybody's talking about. And I think this is a little bit of the case. You know, um, a lot of our guys saw it a couple times last year 
and got a little bit of a dose of it. And that helps moving forward to just be able to call upon some of those memories. And, you know, they've got a lot of new guys on their roster. They've got uh, a couple pros that have been drafted. Uh, Quad A Green is back, who was uh, an elite point guard. And Eric Stevenson is a transfer from Wichita State that we recruited heavily. He's back in Northwest. So they got some new guys. It's a different team, but overall, Hop, um, Coach Hopkins does a lot of the same things, and um, you know it's going to be equally as challenging, probably for everybody. To think that we're we're both starting league play, uh, I guess they will have had a couple games under their belt, <clears throat> but you know to be playing each other in league this early is uh, is a heck of a challenge, and um, you know we're just excited to be a part of it and try to make some adjustments and get ready to roll. Coach, uh, what have you seen from your guys uh, as you prepare for this game uh, Thursday against Washington, and, and who has really stepped up for you? Obviously, the name, you know, Timmy Allen is going to come up to big, but is there anyone that uh, has done an exceptional job, maybe surprised you at how quickly they caught on or fit into the system? Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, I think Alfonso Plummer has, has come in where he left off. A lot of confidence uh, on the offensive end, and he's really one of the best shooters that I've ever coached. Um, you know, and making sure that Fonz continues to defend and move the ball when uh, when the opportunity presents itself, because he's got a lot of freedom. Um, you know, within our offense, I think Ryland Jones has added a lot of lean muscle tissue to his his body, and uh, you know, again, not being a freshman, he and Jackson, and I think about Brandon Carlson, uh, you know, Mickey Antunin. Those guys aren't freshmen anymore, and so they've all kind of you kind of see that light bulb coming on as a, a lot of sophomores have happened uh, to them, and and consistency is the big thing. We've had some really good performances by all those guys in practice, and I think you know part of becoming a, a better basketball player is to be able to do it on a consistent basis, and you know not not maybe be on such a roller coaster. Uh, I've been you know, pleased with, uh, with, uh, Pella Larson. He's a big, strong guard that, uh, you know, understands the game and can get to the rim. And is, uh, when he puts his mind to the defensive end of the floor can give us a great lift as can Jordan Kellier. Uh, those two guys are, are physical specimens at the guard and the wing spot that, that we could put out there in a, in a stopper role. And we all know in, in the Pac-12, you need to have, you know, some guys with a defensive presence to them. There's really good players in our conference. This continues to be evident by the NBA draft. And there's a lot of wing players that need to be stopped. And if you don't have the, the Pellas and the Jordans on your roster, you're probably going to be a little shorthanded. So I think we're in the, in the uh, place right now where we're kind of mixing up the recipe a little bit. We'll start divvying up some minutes, but I think everybody's got a pretty clear idea what their role is. And I like, I like uh, the progress that we're making. We've got a lot of individual challenges within a, a practice setting. And I think it's going to allow us to, to continue to improve. And what we practice and what we uh, talk about all the time with our players is, is to reach your potential. And I, I think we've got uh, plenty of sparks flying you know, in a competitive practice setting that's bringing out the best in a lot of guys. Larry, um, at least at the start here, as you guys continue to 
emerge from the outbreak and continue practicing and getting your wind, do you envision maybe going deeper, excuse me, deeper into your bench just because maybe the guys aren't in peak shape just yet? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's fair, you know? Um, and, and I do think, I do think it's really important that our guys understand, um, you know, we, we just need is one of the reasons that we struggle is, uh, is we got to have that peak peak energy. Um, you know, that competition that you're playing really, really hard consistently and that we don't want to be able to kind of coast and switch it on and off, um, too hard at this level. And that's one of the things I'm thinking about with the roster that I think is deeper is, um, you know, one of the best motivators is the bench. And so when we, when I sense that we're not playing at that level, at least until we get back to where we're probably, you know, better conditioned as a team, I think it's going to be important to pick up on some of that and get someone in there. And, uh, you know, we haven't been as deep the past few years. I think, you know, the, the times that we're going to have to play guys 36 and 38 minutes are probably a thing of the past uh, because we do have a deeper team and, and that should be a positive for us, you know, and I hope our players understand that, that um, if we can, if we can have guys playing 30 minutes a night instead of 37 minutes a night, that that's important. And we certainly will get to the point where we don't need to coast and we don't need to save anything. And, and I think that's going to help us uh, from an efficiency point of view, both offensively and defensively to know that there's going to be more of that accountability, you know, to be able to play through a deeper bench. Just to follow that up off topic, um, you know, we see around the country that, you know, that schedules are very fluid and teams are picking up games on a whim. Um, Andy said on the radio last night that you guys had gotten a call about, about Vegas, but he wasn't sure that the days would work. Um, my question is, do you envision picking up another non-conference game at some point or, or do you feel like you're pretty much set with the four? No, I could, I could see it happening. Um, you know, for sure. I think it, what, what you just mentioned to start that, uh, comment was there's a lot of games being canceled. You know, nobody says that the teams that are on our schedule are going to be able to make it in. So, uh, the fact that we still have one remaining to fill and uh, there's a lot of unknowns between now and January, I think it's I think it's important that everybody's kind of working in a fluid space and knowing that some things could get added on here at the last minute and and uh, and games are becoming available. So I'd be I'd be really surprised if there weren't, you know, an addition or some changes to what we've got going. I noticed that uh, Riley, Timmy, and Rylan were named uh, captains for you. Uh, I mean, it, it isn't really shocking for Timmy and uh, Riley because they're they're juniors. But at seeing Rylan in his second year already being named team captain, what does that mean? Well, this was a this was a two part selection. It was our our members of our team voting, uh, and then certainly. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll make the final decision on it, but as a staff, um, you know, through our evaluations, it makes perfectly good sense. I think all three of those players, uh, are, are unique, but they all check a lot of the boxes that you'd want in a captain. Got great lines of communication, uh, between them and the coaches, between them and their teammates. And, um, 
you know, I think they're really strong leaders that think they're all in positions that they do the right things and, and, uh, you know, really stand for the, to be a captain. It's not easy. You know, I, there, there's a lot of responsibility that goes with it and you've got to, you got to fight through some, what are already some tough times for everybody. And, and one of the biggest traits, I think, and it's, it's really evident with those three, uh, you know, you want, you want some, uh, day makers on your team. This is a time where a lot of guys get so caught up in, in all of the turmoil and, and trials and tribulations that each person has going. And we know it's not hard, or I'm sorry, we know it's not easy, you know, to come to practice and go through the protocols and, uh, the distancing and the, you know, the zoom meetings and all of that, we're all dealing with it, but <clears throat> I think you've got to, with each of those three guys, they come into that setting, not only carrying their own burdens, but they're willing to, to help teammates out and stay engaged. And, uh, as I said, rather than being a day breaker, uh, those guys are day makers and they can help, help their teammates out, uh, across the board. And I've seen plenty of examples of that. So that's a, that's a big part of the environment that we're in right now is, is, uh, making sure guys are capable of doing that. And I know all three of them are. And then just to follow up uh, with uh, Pella and uh, Ian coming in as new guys, do, do, you, do you actually think that it's going to help them speed along the process, especially because you had so many new guys last year? Yeah, there's a fewer number of new guys. Is that what you're saying, Josh? Uh, yeah. Trevor? Yeah. It's Trevor with the question, right? Yes. Yeah. No, I, you know, there's, and teammates are helpful. The, the one, uh, variable in that is when you have 10 new guys there's really nobody there that's you know uh, short of a timmy or maybe a riley there's less veteran guys that can help you so when you're trying to bring 10 people along it's it's much more of a process than when you're trying to bring three and you you mentioned the two freshman guards and then we have jordan uh a, a, you know junior college uh transfer as well in that mix. And what we're seeing is a lot of the veterans, even though they're maybe only a year in the program, they're helping those guys in that process. And that that's what I want it to be. I want this to be a, you know, a player driven team and a player led team and far less uh, coach led team. And, and we're seeing that. So it, the, the process becomes a lot easier. Uh, you know, the more familiarity from the older guys and the more willingness from the older guys to help those guys certainly takes the strain off of everybody. And, and we all need to get the new guys on board as soon as possible, because that's going to have a lot to do with, uh, with our bottom line. Hey coach, last question for me. I'm just wondering if you had a chance to talk to uh, coach Whittingham about what it's like to bring a group of kids into an arena where there are no fans and how they, how he's prepared his kids for it, obviously on a bigger scale, but with, with no fans in the Huntsman center, is there any way you can simulate that? It's got to be just a, an odd feeling for those guys who have competed in front of huge crowds in the past. Yeah. And I, I haven't uh, spoke with wit. We, we do, you know, a fair amount of texting, um, you know, but we're both <laughs> in survival mode here a little bit. What, who we have leaned on Jonathan Ravarino or is our sports psychologist uh, did a zoom call with our guys a couple weeks back. And, uh, and they spent about an hour on the zoom call. The coaches weren't part of that, you know, so there's, there's some, um, uh, 
certainly some triggers and I think some some keys our guys can be bringing to the plate. And what I brought up it really kind of goes back to when we all first learned to play the game, you know, and the joy of playing. And maybe we were on the playground or you were in an open gym and and there wasn't a lot of scouting reports or wasn't anybody cheering for you. Uh, but if you wanted to stay on and play and not sit, you had to win. And uh, and so I think our team uh, needs a little bit more of that mentality, you know, less discussion, less talk, maybe a little less game plan and a little bit more dog, uh, a little bit more junkyard, you know, just finding an edge from a, a competing point of view. And uh, we're not giving you all the answers to the test ahead of time. You're just going to have to go out a little mano y mano and guard your guy. And so I, you know, I think we all watched the NBA bubble and we saw the teams that, that they had to, they had to uh, adhere to that concept too. You got to bring your own energy. And I, I think what you do find is the people that are wired the right way that are getting a lot of the value from the game. I know for me, it was always kind of an intrinsic thing. I, I didn't need uh I didn't need a big pep talk and I didn't need a bunch of, you know, fans yelling for me. I was always pretty driven internally. And I think the teams that are going to do better uh, are those kind of players that are, are, that are in it for the right reasons. And if you're dependent on a crowd to get you going, you know, now is not a good time to be involved with college sports. So um, I I said before, I think you're going to separate some of the pretenders from the, from the contenders and the talk is cheap and let's, let's get out and compete a little bit. I think that's probably what Witt would say anyway, but um, that's kind of the blueprint we're going to follow. Yeah. I just had one more, Larry. Um, sure. I may have heard wrong earlier, but um, the, the kids who have already had it, are they still, are they still testing every day or it, is there less testing now that they've been affected? Yeah, there, there's no testing 90 days. Uh, you're 90 okay. days free with, uh, and, and there's talk of maybe that even going up to 150 days. Obviously we need, you know, in order to create data like that for how long a person is, is immune or won't get reinfected, you need to have more and more time in order to get those numbers. But the direction the CDC is going now, it's, it's 90 days and, um, there might even be a little bit more leniency with those numbers. And that's, you know, that's one of the benefits of getting it is, is that we can't get it again. I think there's been four people in the world and there's still some questions exactly how that went down that were reinfected. But some of those early rumors that you can get it twice back to back, I think, uh, haven't really been substantiated. So we're, we're in a position that we don't have to do the, the testing. So the 90-day thing, that's a CDC guideline or that's an NCAA guideline? Uh, well, it's not NCAA because there's some uh, conferences that have it at 150 days. Right, 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 right. So I think it's the the 90 is the minimum, and some leagues have taken it upon themselves to stretch that to, a, to 150 days, and that's part of the complications of the South Dakota tournament and some of those exempt events. You had teams coming from different leagues with different – rules and without being on the same playing field it was it was kind of uh problematic thank you larry you bet
I'm just, you know, just to, to, to make light of it, what are you doing in, in your downtime? You watching movies, you watching films? What are you doing? Uh, well, watching, you know, there's a lot of hoops on now. So, um, you know, caught a Stanford game last night, going to catch a Stanford game, whatever we can do. Scouting report, Washington-Baylor game. Washington played this afternoon at Vegas. Uh, I think against Cal Riverside. So, you know, I don't have as much time to fart around with the guitar and, and, uh, and various things that I've done with some of the free time up to now. It's, you know, we're basically punching in. Our season's been condensed to three months and going to try to, uh, do whatever I can on a daily basis to make sure our team is prepared and that, uh, that we're getting better consistently for this, uh, you know, it's about a 800 meter run instead of a two mile run. So we we can't afford to uh, to take too many days off. So that's it. Awesome. Thanks, coach. You got it. Thanks, guys.